Welcome to another episode of Pod for Good, the podcast where we talk to the change agents trying to make Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the world a more vibrant and inclusive place. I am your chief philanthropist, Jesse Ulrich. I'm your vice admiral philanthropist, Chris Miller. And today our guest is Tommy Yap, co-founder of the Tulsa Voter Van. We talked to Tommy about combating voter suppression, why the last mile is so important, and why you should always hire experts for housing projects. Our conversation with Tommy is very interesting. I think you will enjoy it, and you'll definitely know by the end of this episode how you can help his his very wonderful and simple project of helping people get to the polls. Enjoy. We are very excited to have uh, Tommy Yap on Pod for Good this week. Hi, Tommy. Hello there. By the way, is it Tommy or Tom? I go by Tommy. Okay, good. So, because Toms are the worst. <laughs> anyway, I'm coming out swinging this week. I mean, my dad's name's Tom, so I agree with you. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, your dad, Tom Brady, two of the worst people. So, all right. So, Tommy, you are one of the co-founders of the, the Tulsa Voter Van. Tell us about this beautifully simple, perfect idea that you have had called the Tulsa Voter Van. Tell us about like where the idea came from, how it's been working so far, things you've learned. Hit us. So um, it was started by me and my husband. I now run it. Um, the way it started was I was giving a lecture out at OU on voter suppression, which is um, always a fun topic, per se. <laughs> and... <laughs> Um, I came home and I brought up to him a question that people had asked the other times I'd given this lecture of, you know, what can we do? What is being done? And other than some like national strategies and some past victories, I didn't really have much. So um, we started talking and eventually we landed on transportation just by talking and talking about it because it sounded like an easy idea. Um, and from that, we kind of started Googling and searching to see if anyone else was doing it. We couldn't find anything. And as one of our friends said, if you think of the idea and no one else is doing it, you're now in charge. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's kind of how it all began is just him and I talking about it. And the next day, and I mean, Next thing I did when I woke up the next morning was rented two minivans, made some graphics, and off to the races. <laughs> hmm. So w- when was this? Like when? How how recent was this? March, March the presidential primary. Wow! wow. Right, right before um, sharing space with people became difficult. Yes, actually, we had to skip the June election because of it. So I mean, I and I. I, I already seen in my quick google searching of the tulsa voter van like you've already started advertising a lot of like cleanliness things and and you know all of the pandemic safeguards we don't want people to get the coronavirus because i can tell you listeners it's the worst <laughs> um but so what what sort of so you've been doing this since march like what what has been the feedback so far are people like wow like why hasn't this why wasn't this already a thing <laughs> um i love this who who's like your sort of standard client it, it's kind of hard to say because we provide rides to anyone who asks. And so um, it's been 
a, a variety of reasons. But one of the most uh, heartwarming things, of course, was when we started back up in August, which was this last election, the first four people who called to schedule rides were all four people who we had given rides to in March. They remembered <laughs> us. They asked again. They scheduled. Um, in fact, even someone took advantage of the fact we had expanded into early voting as well. So that was something nice. that really, really touched touched a nerve that, you know, we're doing something good. And in terms of the reception, people love it. They think it's a great idea. Um, in fact, I've come in contact with people who are now volunteering for us, for us who have said, you know, I thought about doing this, but I couldn't find anyone who was doing it. Or, you know, I wanted to do it <laughs> for this election or XYZ election. And I just, I didn't know how to do it. And so it kind of just and me and my husband's impulsivity, we're the ones who finally, <laughs> not finally in a bad way, but we were the ones who rented the vans, made the graphics, and now the people who wanted to do it are now volunteering with us. Uh, awesome. And in terms of like the clientele, I mean, there's been a variety of people who we have helped. Um, I know one ride, we helped someone across the street, like literally across the street. She lives, uh, she lives in an apartment complex and her polling location is across from a very, very busy street. And she didn't feel comfortable crossing it or walking up to the crosswalk. So we picked her up, kind of did a U-turn, went down one block and gave her a ride. Um, the other one that I remember like really well was someone who, um, had gotten dental work done and wasn't comfortable driving to the polls. So they called us. And we gave them a ride. I mean, when I say it's a variety of reasons, it's a variety of reasons. Can you talk about why transportation is so important and why barriers to transportation are part of voter suppression? So before this, one of the reasons we got on the topic of transportation is we lived in New York before moving to Tulsa. And in New York, you have public transportation, you've got buses, subways, it's walkable. So transportation isn't as big of a barrier there. However, in Tulsa, where, you know, it's a car city, it's, it's not very walkable. Not a lot of people bike or feel safe biking. Um, so it's a car city and not everyone has a car. Not everyone can afford Uber fare. And we shouldn't be asking people to pay $6 for transportation just to go vote. Um, so that was a big barrier we knew existed. We didn't really have like the hard data to find out that it existed, but it, it's, it's inevitable that it exists. And I think a really good example of how this exists is there's a polling location in the city of Tulsa where it's on a very busy street. There's no sidewalks. It's, uh, on the other side of an underpass and there's no bus stop near it. Like the only way to access this polling location is by car. And that's a perfect reason how transportation is a barrier to voting is when you can't even get to your polling location without a car. Yeah. And it also seems like in different areas of the city, there are, there can be, uh, polling places can support uh, much larger geographic areas than others. Some, like my polling place is easy walking distance from where I live, but I happen to live in Midtown where it's both a little bit more walkable and also there seems to be a higher density of polling places. Whereas other places in the city, they're 
you may have to travel, you know, mile plus to get to your polling place. And I know historically, I don't know specifically Tulsa, but historically in other areas of the country, that's sometimes been intentional as far as where polling places are placed and where less polling places are placed. Well, in Tulsa, whether it's intentional or not, there are it's some... <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, <laughs> but whether it's intentional or not, there are some quirks, whereas each precinct is supposed to have its own polling location and each precinct is supposed to be within a neighborhood or local. However, there's many precincts that share a polling location with another polling location, which by default means they're both on the edge of the boundaries. So if you live on the other side of that precinct, it's a lot far farther of a walk, a lot farther of a distance. And there's even the maybe center is actually, I think, three or four precincts worth of polling locations. So that means it's at the center point of four different locations. And that's just that's that's really not a local, you know, that's not really a local polling location. If it serves four precincts and it's the edge of four precincts, that 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 could be a trek. And we know that because we've given a ride to that area and they didn't mm -hmm. really live near that precinct, that polling location. It was someone who didn't typically vote for a variety of reasons, but one of them was they don't really live near the location and they don't have a car. It's one of the, what's weird is where I currently live, both when I live downtown and when I live here in this rental house by TU, both of my polling places are, were closer to me than my polling place when I lived in Boston. Um, <laughs> it wasn't that far, but it was still far enough that like, if the weather was bad, you would drive to it. But if it was nice, you would walk. Um, here though, it's whatever church is closest to me. Um, mm -hmm. And they're, you know, this is Tulsa. So there's always a church nearby somewhere. So, Sometimes they're temples. Mine's a temple. <laughs> that's true. I, I believe yours is a synagogue, Chris. Get sorry, right. sorry. sorry. Um, it's all right. Most Jews don't get it right. So, <laughs> but... There's lots of conversations going on now about the right of voting and voter suppression and the different ways that voting is made difficult. And I, I appreciate that you took one part that was difficult and instead of trying to fix everything, you're like, we can do this one thing. We can drive people to the polls. Like we're going to do this. Um, and so as you're gearing up for, you know, the big, the big election, the presidential election in November, <laughs> Um, like, are you thinking about like raising more funds so that you can have more vans or are you just trying to focus on filling up these two vans as many times that day? Like what's your, what's your strategy at this point? Um, so right now our big focus is to raise funds for an accessible van. Um, we have seen firsthand how mobility impaired people don't have or might be heavily restricted from voting. Uh, there's a particular voter who we've given a ride to twice now, and she is so determined to vote. She's even said that she's she's an elderly woman and she has not missed an election. And both times we weren't able to meet her needs because she's wheelchair bound. But she's so determined she's willing to transfer into a car, even though it's so painful for her. And so it's voters like this that we just we need an accessible van because Mobility impaired people, you know, they may not have a ride or they may not have access to a, like an accessible ride to get them to the polls. And um, 
Yeah. So that's a, that's a big one for us is we're raising money for the accessible van itself. When it comes to just a, your, your average kind of voter who may not be, um, need a wheelchair accessible ride. Uh, we actually have our volunteers provide their own cars and they drive people to and from. So we've moved away from the renting a van model <laughs> to uh, two of us renting a van towards just having our volunteers help us out. And we could always use more drivers. Um, in November, this election is going to be wild. We all know that. The, the turnout rate for presidential elections always skyrocket. And we're trying to get as ready as possible with recruiting drivers as well with their own cars, as well as an accessible van. I'm I'm curious about uh, for people who are volunteering their own cars, like, is there a sort of safety form they have to fill out? Like, I'm thinking about MODIS and all the things MODIS drivers have to go through, mostly because they're picking up kids and taking them to uh, doctor's appointments. But like, I, I'm what are this? What are the legal issues of driving a stranger to the polls? It's more the latter, but with the Modus flavor, I work with Modus um, and share their forms, share their liability waivers. They've been such an incredible help. I cannot remotely express that. Um, Leslie over there has been such a great person to work with and um, really helping with those kind of stuff. And they really, they're, it's their cleaning procedures we actually adopted for coronavirus. They had already done the work and everything. I asked Leslie and she, her, she has a very similar philosophy of let's not reinvent the wheel. And she shared them with us in terms of legal issues. We haven't ran into any yet. Hopefully we won't, but we do have a driver um, liability form. And then we also have a rider liability form. I know that uh, earlier you mentioned that you've started supporting early voting and uh, they just announced that uh, One Oak is going to be a site for early voting for this November election. So do you like having one large location to take a, take people to or uh, is it easier to, to take people to their local precincts? It's really hard to say because the August election was the first election we offered early voting. And only two people took advantage of it. Um, but that could have been because it's new. That could have been because it's a civic election. And unfortunately, not many people turn out for those. Um, we kind of added early voting at the end as a last minute, in a good way last minute, but it wasn't as publicized. So it's hard to say which one or the other is easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm hoping with more push for early voting, um, that it will be more taken advantage. And in theory, it would be easy to have a central location because you could have people get in the van, get in the bus, but we can't do that with COVID. Right. So we're trying to urge people to like kind of make an appointment. I'm guessing this is not your only job at the moment. Like, <laughs> what, or, or, may, or maybe you have dedicated yourself to it. I'll let you answer that question. But what were you doing before you started this? Or what are you still doing while you're also doing this? oh, this has become my own full-time job in which I'm also doing my other full-time job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I actually work with Take Control Initiative and their data policy fellow. So this whole political realm and working within government is like right up my alley. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
So you 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 are learning you are learning at the hands of the master of of, of advocacy with uh, Laura Bellis for sure. So um, I don't know when she sleeps or you know because she's she's literally like reporting on things that aren't her job, you know, day in day out. It's it's insane. Yeah, um, I have no idea how she has time for take control and then also runs the Save Our State group yeah. and then also does everything you know. Uh, human rights commission stuff i don't know how she does it i mean uh, laura I if you're either. listening major props <laughs> well hopefully she laura. hopefully she listens still yeah, she was on she was on a she was on our podcast not that that's long true. ago that's true <laughs> I'm, ho- I'm i'm hoping to have her on our 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 you know one year anniversary uh party podcast so there you go. uh I, I should probably schedule that with her now <laughs> since she's very busy but I think she has an opening between uh, two and three a.m. that day. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm still I'm still working out the uh, a Mario Kart fundraiser for Take Control Initiative with her. We're we're, we're going to get that done at some point. Wow. <laughs> so, where do you see this? Like, after after the presidential elections in November, like where where do you see the Tulsa voter van? You know, a, a year, five years from now. I'm going to answer a year because currently we're in that brainstorming phrase of what do you do during an odd number year, especially if you're a voter support kind of group. You know, I've gotten used to in Tulsa and Oklahoma, there being an election pretty much every single month. And (laughs) that's one of those things. It's like you just get used to. But next year, there really aren't any. So one of the things we are currently crafting and getting together is a program of community notaries where we sponsor people to get their notary commission when they're located in a community center. They'll be located at that community center and be able to provide notary services such as absentee ballots um, when the even number years hit. And of course, just provide notary services within a community as a whole. That's what um, our big push next year will be. Five years. I can't think that far ahead. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, the, the, the Tulsa voter hovercraft. Uh, <laughs> voter Tesla. <laughs> yeah, voter Tesla, yeah. Vote, voter drones. They just fly over and pick somebody up and then carry yeah. them. Oh my gosh, that just sounds Listen. terrifying. <laughs> that sounds Notary terrifying. drones. Notary drones. <laughs> the, the drone just comes down, stamps your thing, and then flies off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so get on I mean, that, people. But no, that's that. I mean, that's another interesting one of those sort of uh, small, I'll say, small voter suppression problems. In that, you know, it, let's be honest, it's almost a form of poll tax, right? Because if you want to effectively vote safely in a, during a pandemic. You had to, I mean, either have a driver's license, which not everyone does, or have a have it notarized, which in many cases is not free. So it's it's an it's another one of those potential barriers that people face, even beyond transportation. That's well, I mean, it's a it's designed to be. I mean, we said it earlier. It's it's designed to hinder people's ability to vote. Um, when it comes to notarizing a ballot. It's actually free in the state of Oklahoma. You can't charge for it. However, not everyone knows that. I mean, notaries, they charge for everything they stamp. So why wouldn't they? I mean, that that is a common misconception. So that's actually mm-hmm. something that's behind me on my whiteboard. We have little magnets and stuff that says free ballot notary. I mean, it's redundant because a ballot notary is free, but people don't know that. Hmm. When it comes in 
to like the needing a driver's license. Well, the common refrain is then, well, you have your paper voter ID card, but I'm going to be honest. I don't even know where mine is. (laughs) I I vote routinely and I don't know where that is. It, it comes apart. It's paper and it just looks flimsy. I'm, it's not my, really. My dog good. literally ate mine last night. Not even See? joking. I <laughs> had it out. I was switching wallets, left it down, and he ate it almost immediately. So yeah, and it's it's, it's even flimsier than your social security card, uh, which <laughs> yeah. you also aren't, which you are not allowed to protect in any way. <laughs> that's. I mean, that's just it. If you don't have that little card, you don't have a a, a driver's license. You simply can't vote in Oklahoma. They'll let you use a provisional ballot. Those, frankly, don't get counted all the time. Um, it's still really important that people fill them out if that's their only option, but try to exhaust all other options before they use that option. Mm-hmm. So the the notary services, the, the IDs, the little voter card, it's all designed to make it hard to vote. It just is. Is there yeah. still a limit of how many ballots one notary is allowed to notarize? I remember yes. hearing... Uh, hearing about that before was it like six or something it was a small number uh that was ridiculous it's 20 20 that's still not a lot per it's not but you can get here's another one of those tricks where it's like you have to know this exists in order to take advantage of it is um notaries can get a waiver that says they can um notarize over 20 ballots within that county and Tulsa County is really liberal with those. They will, if you apply, they'll give it to you for the most part. And so with that piece of paper, you can then notarize over that 20, but so many notaries don't realize that. And what's even more complicated is that it's a waiver per county. So if you you can notarize over 20 in Tulsa County, but you would then need to get it in Osage County as well if you wanted to notarize over 20 there. and it's just, it's, it's something a lot of people don't realize is out there. And we work really hard on our website. We've kind of digitized it to a degree so that people can easily sign up and fill it out and send it off to the, the county. Uh, but you have to know to look for it. Does, does the waiver have to be notarized? The <laughs> waiver does not have to be notarized. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh... I'm yeah, surprised the, the, it isn't, but no. Right? Um, <laughs> like a notary has to get another notary to notarize it <laughs> to them, allow them to notarize more ballots. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I, it, it amazed me how many people I knew who were apparent, who apparently were our notaries that's come out over the last couple of months that people have been doing the absentee ballots, which is what I've been doing. And what's weird is my wife and I get two different kinds of absentee ballots. Like mine were, Mine technically requires more witnesses than hers, even though neither one of us are doing witnesses because we're putting our voter ID card on there. But I'm like, why are there two different sets of rules here in the first place? Like, why is, I mean, we know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it directly. Why do we make voting hard? (laughs) (laughs) That is such a theoretical PhD thesis question. (laughs) Why, like, again, I'm, listen, I am a, I am a academically trained historian. I understand where America's voting history comes from. It was dumb then. It's dumb now to only allow people to vote on one day in the middle of the week in November. Like, it's stupid. <laughs> like, we could change this. We could vote anytime we want. We could vote on the weekend. Doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it angers me. I'm like, Tuesdays. 
Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Tuesdays. <laughs> Tuesdays. At anyway. least make it a Monday and have it be a three day weekend. Yeah. We've well, got yeah. so many three day weekends. Just get rid of one of the three day weekends. <laughs> yeah. Weekend. Yeah. Get rid of Columbus Day. Yeah. Yeah. Allow us to vote on Indigenous Peoples Day. How about that? There you go. <laughs> Next day question. State question 805. I don't know if they go in like literal number order, but I feel like they do. Um, it's like, we just had 802 and then I feel like there was 804. 805 oh, is, uh, prison sentencing reform. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 806. I think that one uh, was supposed to be the recreational marijuana one, but I don't, oh, right. I don't know if they got enough signatures yet. They didn't I mean, come on. I don't think yeah, that should be, uh, listen, if it's not state question 420, then they're not even trying. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if you're allowed to name your own number state question, but they should be able to, if not, let's make that the next state question. <laughs> Uh, you're obviously very passionate about this topic. How do you keep your organization from trying to tackle too many problems within voter suppression? With the slogan, last mile of voting. So um, it's, a, it's a pun because puns are fun, um, yeah. but we only serve the last mile of voting. So if you think of voting as a three-stage process, you get registered, you learn about the election, and then you vote. So it's the three three stages, and we only focus on that last stage, which is voting. Literally putting your ballot in the ballot box or putting your absentee ballot or absentee ballot getting counted. That's what we focus on. So that's one way we we really can can focus in and not try to tackle all of voter suppression at once, because that would be exhausting and <laughs> a very, 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 very daunting task. So we focus on um, transportation to the polls because that's literally getting to the polls to vote. And then we also focus on getting people connected with notaries because, again, that's literally getting your ballot in the ballot box. Um, So, yeah, it's the last mile because puns. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, you don't have to sell Chris and I on puns. Yeah. Let, let, let's focus our listeners on what they can do between now and November to help you help people g- get that last mile to vote. So what is it in your sort of list of priorities? What is the, what are the things you need the most? Do you need volunteers or do you need money or both? Right now we need uh, donations for sure. Uh, we really want to, we, we need to, it's not a want, it's a need. Um, if you want to do that whole want or need thing. So it's a need that we get an accessible van. There are definitely voters out there who need it. What the voter I mentioned earlier who is so determined to vote, you know, she's just one person. She's a story that I can actually like really tell. However, between the two elections, we have turned away people because we didn't have an accessible car. We've turned away nonprofits who were trying to help their clientele, but we didn't have an accessible car. So mobility is a big, big hindrance to people. And that's why it is a need to get an accessible van. So right now to get that accessible van is a donation um, on our website. We'll definitely put that in the show notes. And for our listeners, when you do go to donate, you're donating to the Take Control Initiative, which I guess is your financial sponsor. It is. Yes. All right. Uh, That's the thing. uh, That's something that only sort of exists in nonprofits. And like it freaks people out. They're like, mm-hmm. I don't understand. I want to give to this organization. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you are. It's just, you know, doing the 501c3 paperwork takes like a year and like, who has time for that? So, 
Do you need a notary for that paperwork? Probably. <laughs> well, I know a website you can find one on. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think a fun trivia game would be like, do I need a notary for this? Right. And it's just like a list of different forms. Yeah. Uh, so many things. Okay. So money, money to buy a, a van that is accessible. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the, the phrasing is for that. Um, and then is, is volunteers the next thing you need the most of? Volunteers. And I mean, it's, it's going to sound simple, but also just people who will put the word out there. We want to try and reach as many people as possible. This is a big election. A lot of people are going to want to vote and we need to get our word out there. So uh, what I've been telling people who inquire, I'm like, hey, if you want to pick up a stack of flyers, I can drop one off. I can drop a couple off for you if you want to go put them in business windows. <laughs> so that's I, that's an easy one or posting it on Facebook. But volunteers are, you know, putting, uh, putting like some grit kind of volunteer is also a big one. We do need drivers. Like I said, this is going to be a big election. Um, and I anticipate a lot of people, especially because we're doing a lot more to, for outreach, more organized. So doing more for outreach. So how do, if somebody does want to uh, use your service, how do they actually connect and get an appointment and all that? Uh, we, I have a hotline that's connected to my cell phone. When you call, you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> You can uh, request. You can request through um, a web form, which isn't live right now because we're six or so weeks out from the election. And um, but there's a web form that'll be live on the website, or they can call our hotline number, which I think you can include show notes also. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that's that's the that's the big two. I'm currently looking into, um, you know, integrating Facebook Messenger into that system so that when people find us online or on Facebook, they can just t- uh, message that. But the biggest way almost entirely is people contact us through the hotline phone or um, texting us on that same number. Which is just your phone number. Which, no, it's my Google Voice number. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> good, good. Smart. Good. Don't, yeah, you don't want yeah. to just give your phone number out. Yeah. Uh, be like, uh, can I get a ride to this place? Like, are you voting? No, I just need a ride. Oh, we've had that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. We've totally uh, had that. <laughs> unbelievable. That's we had awesome. people who saw us on the news and they're like, hey, um, my mom needs a ride to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Is the grocery I mean, store near your polling place? <laughs> that was actually my question. <laughs> Why aren't why aren't grocery stores polling places? There you go. I mean, it, it can be crowded, but yeah. <laughs> but you can I, grab I, a pack of milk, milk duds on your way out. That's right. <laughs> that's right. This pandemic has made everything a little more difficult. Even your wonderful uh, voter van. What have you been doing when you're not working on this and your day job at the Take Control Initiative? What have you been doing during the pandemic to just sort of relax? Like, what's been your pop culture comfort food during this pandemic? Was that before or after I moved? <laughs> now that me and my husband just moved into our house, um, we've been doing Let's a lot. After a lot of projects. Ah, <laughs> uh, yep, yep. Like, yeah, like, is there is there a new like a new uh, backyard area now that you're you're dealing with, or are you like you know putting up wallpaper? What is it? What is uh, the what's on the project list right now? It's wallpaper, which. Mm. 
we tried to save money and do it ourselves and are realizing that's probably not have been the best idea. <laughs> I find that out my, about 80% of the time when uh, we try to do a project ourselves, we end up regretting it and wishing we had just paid somebody else because in the end, we probably end up spending more because we ruin the materials a couple times before we get it right. So right now we're the epitome of good enough because we don't want to buy more <laughs> wallpaper. <laughs> well, I really like the wallpaper behind you. It's very yes. nice. Yes, I enjoy it. Yeah. No, those like ones it. are stencils. I did those. That's easier oh, than wallpaper. <laughs> really? Way easier. <laughs> well, it looks very, uh, very uniform and evenly spaced. So that's yeah. why I thought it was wallpaper. It looks very nice. Well, thank you. I'm... I'm just lucky that this rental house, one, like, why would you wallpaper a rental house? But two, it has those walls where it's not flat. It's like bumpy. So like, you're not putting wallpaper on that. So <laughs> don't have to worry about don't that. Have to. <laughs> nope. So, well, I mean, like, this is something that Chris and I talk about a lot, which is like, again, trying to make things a little bit easier for people mm-hmm. when something that should be easy isn't like voting. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. The Telsar Voter Van, again, you you tried to take one part of the problem that you could solve and work on that instead of the much larger, frustrating, you know, enormity that is all of America's voting problems, of which there are many, and they are different depending on where 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 one lives. But in Telsa, the hardest part for someone who has difficulty voting would be just getting to their polling place. So I just want to thank you for like not overthinking this, as <laughs> say Chris and I might do. And, you know never actually get the project off the ground because right. you know we're like well we have to do this 12 other things first and then mm. then the easy part so we need a fleet of vans where uh they're playing <laughs> playing the platforms of each candidate over the mm-hmm. loudspeaker so they can be informed <laughs> as they go to the polling place yeah and we have to get those self-driving those self-driving buses <laughs> that they're using to go from philbrook to the gathering place yeah oh my we have god to get those <laughs> oh. uh, so I have to ask this though. Have you gotten any pushback? I mean, I feel like I shouldn't have to ask that, but recently some people were literally um, protesting early voting. So that's, I I have to ask, have you gotten any pushback for what you're doing? Yes. I'm not going to say it's this mass, massive, massive push. It wasn't some huge deal, but there has, we've gotten an email where it's uh, claiming that we are doing this for nefarious reasons. God forbid you help people vote. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. It's ironic that it took this long for voting to become political. Uh, <laughs> like, because it's voting. You think it'd be always this political, but wow. Like people are just trying to vote in a difficult time <laughs> when they have to get things notarized. Well, there was a time in America when, um, the infrastructure was only designed to stop certain people from voting. Now it feels like it's trying to make it difficult for everyone to vote. Yeah. So, but still for those people, still. <laughs> yeah. difficult for those people. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing basketball arenas serve as polling places in November. I hope that takes off amongst a, I'm pretty sure I think almost every NBA team has announced they were going to do that. So that's yeah. good. I like the idea of the baseball stadium seems like a great idea since it yeah. is open air, which I realize yeah. isn't perfect, but still better. You got some, yeah, I think it's cool. or, you know, just universal mail-in voting other states, states do it. Oregon, I'm looking at you. 
I mean, if you really want to talk about what other states do, there's no reason that there should be a month between registration and voting. Mm -hmm. Lots of states do same day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we can talk about a lot of things other states do that are more convenient. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're not even getting into, um, I can't remember, Jesse, is this your hot button or my hot hot button? The straight, straight uh, party voting. Can't remember Uh, which one of us hate it more. hmm. I think... I think you hate it more. Maybe, yeah. Because I, I want the ranked voting. I like the ranked voting. That is, so, yeah. Which like uh, Maine just recently did for this last like set of elections. Mm-hmm. Like that way, that allows you, Chris, to waste your vote on your libertarian candidate, <laughs> and then but not actually affect the the winner. So, <laughs> um, but by the way, there, there to was be an honest. Ar- anyone I would yeah. vote for in Oklahoma isn't going to affect the winner, anyways. That's true. <laughs> uh, there was literally a USA Today op-ed where someone was like, I'm voting for the third party candidate. Don't tell me I'm wasting my vote. I'm like, but you are. <laughs> so anyway, Tommy, I want to thank you for taking time. And our listeners won't know how many times we had to almost start this uh, recording <laughs> before we actually started it. But, and I, I hope that this episode will help bring you the funds you need for that ban, because this is important. This is something that is easy for people to help you with, which is just give you money so you can buy a van right. to help the people who need it go vote. So right. I just want to thank you for the the work that you're doing and hopefully you will have some time to finish wallpapering your house. <laughs> thank you. And if I may interject one last thing, sure. you mentioned the photo ID for your absentee ballot. I just want to let people know you don't need both. You don't need to get a notary yes. and a photo ID. So many people think you now need both. I, I've just been making a copy of my voter ID card, which has no photo on it, and just stapling it to my absentee ballot, and that's okay too. It still feels weird, but our listeners should know you can also check the status of your absentee ballot. Like I've been able to see that it has been received, and then the day after the election, I can go back and check to see that it has been counted. Yeah. And well, one one more thing, I just want. I hope also people can be inspired by this to realize that you don't have to save the world to fix a problem, right? Find, find something, something small, like, like you said, you know, getting that last mile, you know, sometimes that's the hardest part. And sometimes it can have the easiest solution if somebody is just willing to do it. So if you, if you're out there, you're one of our listeners, if there's a problem you want to solve, find that last piece and see if you can take it, take it that last mile. All right, Tommy, thank you so much. This was fun. And Actually, one of our few non-pod for set episodes. That's as of true. Late. So I so did thank you for in that. with that mission. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to make this sad. <laughs> thank you all for listening to our episode with Tommy. I hope you found that as much fun as we did. Uh, Tommy is a delightful fellow and is doing incredibly good work and not uh, and not getting in front of himself trying to make things too complicated, which, again, Chris and I appreciate as people mm-hmm. who try to make things too complicated. Um, please subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. And, you know, a little personal note uh, about wearing masks, people, uh, please do, because uh, the coronavirus sucks and uh, I don't feel good and I blame all of you. So, <laughs> so for, for, for hopefully the last time, Tulsa, please get it done. And wear a mask. Thank you.